so thankful you are here today. I wish my mom could be here. She is, uh, most of you know my mom is uh, in an assisted living down in a town called Paul's Valley, Oklahoma, and she... For those of you online, if you could just see some of the fun stuff with these children, it's just, it's fun. My mom's in an assisted living and they take very good care of her. And I, th- I thank God for people who are dedicated to do so. And uh, I would see her Friday. She is 93, be 94 in September. And uh, she doesn't, she doesn't agree with how they do not keep the yard and the grass at the assisted living home. And she has offered several times because until she went in that home last year, she did her own mowing on a John Deere riding lawnmower for four acres. And she would do that today if they would get her that lawnmower. (laughs) How many of you want to, if you're going to stay around, you want to have some life in you? Yeah, I do too. Thank God. Uh, For Mother's Day today, it's a special day and I want to... um, try to just share some things about mom and and uh, I want to just tell you that I asked our children's church pastor DJ a week or two ago to give some questionnaires to our children and I just think it's fun to hear from our children sometimes in in just the well to be honest with you just the fun things so I'm just going to sip through some of these and just let you enjoy our children uh, I just picked some because some of them are are well I just picked the ones that I think I should say <laughs> I want to uh, this here's a we we ask our children I love mom because and so here are some of the responses that we had from our children here's one um, it says I love mom because she makes me feel in I-S-E. Nice. And uh, I love mom because she always, she always says go out. It's O-W-T, oat side. I think that baby's from the north right there. And here's the last, it's a boy, thank God. She's, I love mom because she tells me I am sweat. <laughs> here's one. I think this is a girl that says, I love my mom because um, she makes me happy. Here's the, here's the fun part. She says, I love mom because she cooks the yummiest bakzitty. <laughs> B-A-K-Z-I-T-T-E-I. I think she probably means spaghetti. I love this one. I love my mom because she always says, go to bed, it's way past your bedtime. (laughs) Here's one that says, I love mom because she always tells me that Bubba is silly. (laughs) And she cooks the yummiest fruit. (laughs) I got to thinking about it, I guess you do cook some fruit. Here's one, I love my mom because she tells me I am (laughs) S-P-E-S-H-L-E. More of that spaghetti stuff. I love mom because, here's a young man, I love mom because she always says I'm Prince Charming. I love mom because she never takes a break. (laughs) 
I think this is a girl. I love mom because she always says I'm beautiful. Secondly, she is F-A-N-S-E. I guess fancy. And thirdly, I love mom, but she never says I can have an iPhone. <laughs> Aren't kids wonderful? They're just, they're just so much fun, and, and, and I, I just, the older I get, the more I cherish their heart and their memory. A little girl in the first grade in Sunday school was fully panicked, panic-stricken because she couldn't remember a single word of her first verse to quote. On the front seat sat her mother monitoring to her, motioning to her, framing the words with her mouth, and she finally, trying to get her daughter on track to get to her memory verse, the mother finally spoke the first line, and she said, I am the light of the world. The first grade little girl's face relaxed, her eyes brightened, and she began clearly, my mother is the light of the world. <laughs> Jerry Mildred, good to see you guys. <laughs> You know, we smile at that little story, and I think it's funny. We should. But it's sobering to consider the fact that parents are the light of the world to their children long before they understand the title of the Lord. So parents, we should then live our lives with the highest and loftiest character and integrity that we can. For, as the old saying goes, like mother, like daughter, like father, like son. So let me go from babies and young children to 15, 16, 18, 20, 22 year olds. Be very careful about who you select to be your mate because like mother, like father, like daughter, like son. May not always be the case, but for at least probably for the most part, 18 years, that's the example they have. I dated my, my lady that became my wife for four years, and I decided that I needed to know something about her mom and her dad and her parents and their family and how they all live. Listen, you, you may marry an individual, but you marry into a family. And if you think family doesn't count, you better back up and look again. <laughs> Wow, it's so important. A, a poet described it this way. Listen to these words. Had I no little feet to guide, a long life's toilsome way, my own more fre frequently might slide, more often go astray. But when I meet my baby's eyes at God's own bar, I stand. So angels draw me toward the skies while, while baby holds my hand. Aww. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe we're in a world that needs to hear more about God and less about politics. Yeah. I, I want to ask you to join me at cha chapter 9 of Acts this morning. Acts chapter 9. I'd like for you to look with me at a few verses. 
While you're turning, I want to say thank you all of you for being here on Mother's Day. Thank you for your faithfulness. I see some new faces, the new Nash couple over here. Guys, good to see you. Some other folk, if, if I missed you, I want you to know I thank you for being here. I want to take you to a story in Acts chapter 9. Look at verse 36. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa and the disciples heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay to come to them. Verse 39, then Peter arose, went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by him, weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. Here's a lady with great reputation. She was known by the deeds she did. I will tell you, you can read on in the next verses, God miraculously through the prayer of the disciples raised this woman from the dead. I think God is a miraculous God still in 2021, don't you? Dorcas died. Her friends were weeping. They began to show the blankets and all the garments that this woman made during her lifetime. I want to take and I, I want to I want to tell you this morning. I do not want to speak to you this morning. If I can, I want to speak for you, for us. When I read of Dorcas and this service that she gave, it speaks to me of memories of my own mom. So I will speak on an unusual subject this morning. I could speak about mother's love, and I, sh- and I could, and I think it would be appropriate, but I'm not going to talk about mother's love. I could talk about mom's Bible, but I'm going to use another subject. I could talk about a dozen things about our mothers, and I think it would be appropriate. But of all the things I want to talk to you about today, I want to talk to you about mother's needle. History tells us much about crowns, things that are extremely valuable. Dynasties wore them. We see crowns and we hear much about it, their value and how they're made. Crowns are important. Volumes are written also about swords. Just think about all across the world. Vast displays of majestic swords, valuable, the kinds of metals they're made out of, designed for emperors, just a tremendous study. The last several years I've watched Forge and Fire and I've learned more about swords than I ever thought I'd know or care to know. (laughs) Historians speak a lot about plows and how it changed the world. I know about plows. I... uh, Truth is, I have followed a plow for probably many, many, many miles when I was a boy. How many of you ever walked behind the plow while your dad's plowing, granddad's plowing? Well, five of us know about it. 
I probably walked a hundred miles behind a plow. It was my job that when the weeds got caught on it, I would step on it and then it would pull the weeds off the plow. We talk about the trowel, how it makes buildings and in the hands of a professional what it can do. We've talked in history about the hammer, how useful it is and how it's advanced society. We also have paid a lot of attention to a painter's brush, whether it's painting a house or a barn or the finute painting of a beautiful artwork. We've also talked many in history about the author's quill, how men would take a feather and the quill and, and make beautiful things and write prose and poetry. Today, I want to talk about, however, something that we say it's as hard to find as a needle in a haystack. You know what? I, I've never looked for a needle in a haystack, but I'm going to take their word for it. <laughs> Today, among the smallest tools of art is the needle. Did you know that a needle has a point? How many of you know a needle has a point? Do you know it has a tip? How many of you know it's sharp? It has what they call a blade. It has a shoulder. Some needles have a shank. And you know, how many have always thought your mother had a hundred pair of eyes and saw everything that you did? It must have been in the needle. Because needles have, have eyes. Pastor, you're stretching it. I'm knowing it. I know, but I'm just seeing if you're listening. The needle was first in history that I can tell was formed out of bone. And then eventually out of wood. And of course today we know them in many forms. Metal and plastics and things I may not be aware of. In the Old Testament, with a needle, a garment was made to adorn a beautiful garment for the high priest. In Old Testament, it was used to make cushions to form what they call pillows for Solomon's chariots. With a needle, royal robes were made to decor for the shoulders of King David. With a needle, a veil was fashioned in the Old Testament to make a veil that was some 18 inches thick, according to Bible history, made out of hides. It would hang between the holy place and the most holy place or the holiest of holies. It would be in a place that would divide man from God. And you know the story. I trust you do. If you do not, go to the Old Testament, study it, because sin separated man from God. When I think about needles, I remember when I was the first grade I had, I, at least the first time that I knew, I was to have my first shot. And I was so, I was, I was scared to death. I mean, literally scared to death. I did, I'd given lots of shots to cats and dogs and cows and pigs. I, I just didn't want one myself. I remember in the first grade, it was really tough. And I went, Lord, 
They said we're going alphabetical. I went, I'm going to change my name to Zuri or something. <laughs> Did you leave your laugher at home this morning? I, I just remember I didn't want anything to do with needles. But mom's needle, I can see her looking for her glasses. Looking for her glasses so that she could, how many of you know what it means to thread a needle? And I used to see her. She would, she would take the thread and run it across through her mouth. You know why? How many of you know why? How many of you know why? It was to, to, I guess, dampen and wet the fuzz so that it would make a point to go in the eye of the needle. And she'd get frustrated because she had to wear glasses. And I remember many times mom would say, son, come here and thread the needle for me. Well, I used to could do that. So I realized that's why God made children and grandchildren. That's what I remember seeing my mom many hours sitting at the old Singer sewing machine. It was the kind that you had to turn the handle and then pedal with your feet. I learned when I was about four or five, maybe six years old, you could, that wheel had a tightening screw on it and you could put that, a rubber band around that and a rubber band around another piece and I could pedal that pedal till it would snap that rubber band. I wonder how many hundreds of rubber bands I've broken on that sewing machine. I remember my mom saying, doing something that she called threading the bobbin. It's on a sewing machine and I think it's the secondary thread to sew. How many of you have ever seen your mom? I'd see my mom with wooden hoops that for which she would press cloth and she would embroider. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I've done that when I was a kid. I recall going to grandmother's house. There she had a loom and she would swing it from the ceiling and with sewing needles, they would hang a fabric and put a filler in and then with needles, they would do what they call quilting and make quilts my favorite type of thing to cover up with. How many of you ever been involved in quilting, ladies? Any guys been involved in quilting? Well, I recall at Grandma's house one time, as a young boy, I was playing, we were playing hide and seek, and I decided to throw the door open and run into the dark room, and I hit the loom. I learned that day, you can see stars right in the middle of the day. <laughs> I recall Mom taking a needle. And she would hold it in the fire, whether it's over the cookie stove or a candle or a match. What was she doing? She was sterilizing the needle because her son had a splinter or a sticker. And oh my Lord, I can never forget when I finally one time smashed my thumb and all the blood came under it and mom heated a needle and burned a hole in it to let the pressure off. Anybody ever done that? This is spiritual, isn't it? Wow. <laughs> See this little tool? My mom took this simple little thing 
and taught me biblical truths, biblical truths. And no matter how our culture and our society and our world may change, the truths my mom taught me by just something this simple are eternal. I want to share some with you. With this little tool, my mom taught me to live for others. Many times I would see my mom sewing clothes, but not for herself. Many times my mom would take flour sacks where we used to buy flour, and she would take the flour sacks and she would make shirts for me. Anybody here ever worn a flour sack shirt besides me? Well, a few of you. Anybody here ever, ladies, girls, ever had a flour sack dress that mom made? Pastor, you must be 130 years old. I may have been raised like that and didn't know it. My mom would take all kinds of materials and make clothes for other children. I personally had a fetish against flower sack shirts because I did not like the buttons they ever put on my shirt. Anybody here beside me picky about buttons? Especially when they don't match. And there's several different sizes. I guess today it would probably be in great style, but I didn't like it back then. My mom taught me as a boy. After I would come home from a two-room school, we had a little bitty bus finally, but sometime I did have to make the mile and a half, two miles. But I'd come home in the afternoon and see stacked on the kitchen table two or three stacks of what you, what you would call fried pie dough. Yep. There would be a, a, a fried pie dough and then a, a, what do you call it, a wax paper and then another one in wax paper and dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of them. And I go, oh, wow, we're going to have fried pies, apples, cherry, peach, and apricot. How many of you mouth watering? Good. I'd come in and say, oh boy, I can't wait to eat those fried pies. And my mom would say, son, don't you dare touch those. Those are for the church. The ladies of the church are cooking fried pies to pay for the new church. We're helping to pay for the new church. Son, you go over by the cabinet. The butter and syrup you left for breakfast is what you'll have till supper. If anybody here beside me ever ate cold grease on chicken... We didn't have a microwave. <laughs> I want to tell you something. This is true. I, did you know that I was a teenager before I realized mothers ever got tired? My mom would get up every morning breakfast, every morning. And I don't mean hand you a bowl of cereal. I don't mean hand you a Pop-Top or Pop-Tart or whatever it is. I don't mean hand you a, a, a fruit bar Sister Brooks. <laughs> I mean, my mom would get up when the old time, we had the old stove and she would cook bacon and eggs and biscuits and, and ham and sausage and just, I, I mean, every morning, I mean, up early. We'd all during the summer, she'd have to cook for us kids and at night, every night supper, that's where we had our evening meals. And, and my mom would just work and work and work. For several years, when I was a boy, 
I can't even believe that some people won't know what I mean, but we didn't have what we call running water. How many of you know what running water is? How many of you know what running water is not? <laughs> you know, I get to thinking about it. I guess we really did have running water because I ran for it all the time. About 30 yards to the well and back. How many hundreds of buckets? How many of you in this room know what a thumb bucket is? A thumb bucket. What? It is amazing the education I put here. When wells were drawn about five inches and drawn, they had a very thin bucket about three feet tall. It had a thumb latch in it. It had a seal on the bottom. You could let it in the water. The water would push the bottom up and it would fill up. Then when you pulled it, the weight of the water inside would seal it and you'd come up with about a gallon and a half, two gallons of water. But then we moved to an open-faced well, about a four-foot well, and we'd open the door and pull the line, and I would carry water and carry water and carry water. We, we, we didn't have running water. Up until I was 14, we did have not have what you call indoor restroom facilities. For an air conditioner, we had a water cooler. How many of you know what a water cooler is? How many of you know it rusted every metal table in the house? <laughs> For chandeliers, we had light bulbs. We had two real small bedrooms, and they had little bitty closets, and that big house that way out in the farm only had two small closets. But I want to tell you something. That old house most people wouldn't live in today, it wasn't all that wonderful, but I'll tell you what it was. It was always home. And others were worse off than we, so let us not complain about what we do not have. With a needle sewing for neighbor's children, who we would see all the time at school and at church, my mom taught me one of life's greatest joy is doing for other people, living for other people. I feel sorry for people who do not know the joy of putting shoes on some bare feet. I feel sorry for people who do not know the thrill and the wonder of putting food in an empty stomach. Generation 2021, it is an awesome experience of joy and satisfaction and love to absolutely sacrifice something that you want for someone else to have their desire fulfilled. Mom always did without so someone else could have. Many of you have had a mom like that. And I want to come to Mother's Day and say thank you for teaching us to live for somebody else besides self. Secondly, my mom taught me to trust. Mama used to embroider, I said. I used to sit on the linoleum floor. How many of you know what a linoleum floor is? It wasn't big enough for our living room, but we put it in the middle and then stacked the furniture right out, I think, right outside of it. But I would sit on the linoleum floor and it was slick and I, could, I learned that I could, I could spin real easy on my knee on that slick linoleum floor. And I would spin myself and spin myself and then fall on my back and watch the ceiling turn. 
You'd be surprised how you can entertain yourself if you have to. <laughs> Sometimes I would be on that linoleum floor and I would look up. My mom would be sitting in a chair on the couch. And I'd say, Mom, what are you doing? And she said, Some, I, I'm embroidering. Broidering. I would look up and, and I would see all those colors and threads going every which way. And I would say, Mom, that looks like a mess. It, it's just all tangled up. And mom would say, son, you go outside and play a while. I guess I was taught that criticism didn't have a place either. <laughs> I'd go out and play an hour or two. I'd hear mom say, Dave, come back in the house. She'd say, come sit with me. She'd put me beside her in the chair. Then she would show me. She would say, there was a plan printed on this cloth. I just took the thread and the needle and followed the plan. I want to tell you something today. That has been a message to me my whole life. There's a lot of times we look up and we ask God questions like, Lord, why is this happening? God, things aren't going the way I want them to go. God, why is life so tangled up? It looks like a mess. God, why are my grandpas gone? My grandmothers, why did they have to go home? God, why do masses of people suffer under despots and tyrants? Father, why is there evil and wickedness and selfishness in high places? Why are so many people dying with cancer? Lord, why aren't things going the way that I thought they would go. And my father says to me, son, your view is extremely limited. You're looking from down up. In a little while, I will bring you to my home and let you see things from my view. For son, I'm following my plan. And ladies and gentlemen, one day I will be in heaven. And I have found already, but I will find there for sure. Romans 8, 28 is true. All things work together for good to them who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. I don't know what may be going on in your life today. I don't know how Satan may have made it look twisted and, and such a mess and all tangled up, but this much I know. You follow God's plan, and you follow God's plan, and you follow God's will. I will tell you, God's plan is always the right plan. Amen. Third thing. Mom taught me with a needle to do the best with what I have. My mother couldn't pastor a church. She'd make everybody mad on the first sermon. <laughs> My mom, Henry, she couldn't be a worship leader. She might decide to repeat something over and over. I don't, I don't remember if my mom ever sang a solo. If she did, I don't remember it. But my mother, though she might have been limited in some areas, took what she had, and with it she did the best she could. She took a needle. And I know this sounds ridiculous to anybody under 30 years of age today, but she would sew up the holes in my jeans. 
my mom would patch my jeans. I wish I had all the jeans I had from the time I was five to the time I was 18. They're worth $150 a pair today <laughs> or, or something, I don't know. <laughs> and it's fun for me to walk up to young people today and say, I love those jeans. They remind me of mine more years ago than I want to say. But I like to play with them. I say, but we fix them. <laughs> How many of you remember iron-on patches? Oh, my mom thought women were liberated when she got iron-on patches. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. <laughs> my mom took, she would patch the holes in the jeans. My mom would sew the buttons when they were torn off. She took a needle, patched one of maybe two or three pair of socks I would have. See this little needle? This needle was a Bible college to build a boy so God could call a preacher. That may seem so small to you, but it's important. I have a question for you this morning. What do you have? Do you have a rod, Moses? Then smite the Red Sea. Young people, God has put something in your life and given you a talent and given you an ability and put a call on your life. Don't you let any devil or demon or any person on the internet or off the internet take God's plan away from your life. What do you have? Do you have an ox goat? Then slay the spiritual enemy like you see God did in the Old Testament. What do you have? Do you have five loaves and two fish? Put it in the master's hand and feed a multitude. What do you have? Maybe a slingshot? Take it and slay a giant for the faith. What do you have? Do you have a harp? Play it for the Christ. Let no one despise your talent or your gift or your youth or your calling. Put it in the hands of God. You say, Pastor, I'm not much. None of us were. But when we come to him, he makes us far more than we'd ever be. Give what you have and what you are because you and God are a majority. Number five and I, number four, excuse me. Mom taught me with a needle, discipline and determination. Many nights, mom would put her four children to bed. As you walk in our living room, mom and dad's bedroom was to the right. My sisters were to the left. You go into the large kitchen, and my little bedroom was to the right of that, which I love because I could tell when breakfast was coming. My mom would put us in bed. And for one hour, two hours, three hours, you could hear my mom humming. Now you can call me a sentimental old granny all you want. But when you hear your mom hum, mm hmm, hmm, hmm. Mm -hmm. 
You say, preacher, you're out of your mind, but boy, I'm in a lot of peace being out of it if that's the case. Do you know how rich it is to hear your mom hum amazing grace? Blessed assurance when we all get to heaven. We could hear mom humming. She's humming. She's patching jeans. She's sewing. She's ironing for school tomorrow. See this needle? This needle built a fabric inside of three girls and a boy way out in the country. Insignificant, no importance, no notoriety, just average people. See this needle? This needle built four marriages that are sovereign. See this needle? If you'll give me some room, it built a preacher. See this needle? It built four families. I will tell you, you don't know it, but this needle has built lots of sermons. This needle has been an instrument placed in the fabric of my life that has been instrumental to winning hundreds and thousands to the Christ, providing missions all over the world. Thank God today for godly mothers. Are you kidding? Without reservation, we should thank God for godly mothers. Mine, like so many of yours, taught us live in God's will. To our mothers, I salute you today. In our closing, I want to say it's almost impossible for me to disassociate two words. And that's mom and Christian. I, I, I cannot disassociate those two words. In this sanctuary, online, if those two words, mom, do not apply to you, mom and Christian, the greatest gift you'll ever give your family is to know God. And in whatever meager way, whatever great way, whatever it is, say, this is the way. You say, well, pastor, I'm not a young mother. I'm an older mother. Today is the right day. Today is the right day. The greatest gift you could ever give your children is to say, today I gave my heart to the Lord. Today I made it right. Can I say that in reverse? I took my mom a little flower Friday. Had a bow on it. Pretty green plant. And that's a good gift. Ladies, did you get roses? Anybody get roses? Flowers? Do we need to have a revival in loving moms here or what? Maybe it's like me, maybe you just totally forgot. Greatest gift that you can ever give your mother is to let her know if she goes before you, 
I told my mom before I left her the other day, Mom, if the Lord takes you home, you understand this. I will see you in heaven. I will see you in heaven. My mom has some gray hairs, and I'm sure I put my share there. But none of those came because she ever thought this son was lost. You know why? She took this needle, and she sewed the fabric of my life around this book and around its author. And I stand today totally thankful for somebody who put themselves out in a million ways. Do you know how many times mom has washed my jeans and fixed me meals and ironed my shirts and gave me lunch money? Your mom too. We get so mesmerized about things we think are important that aren't important at all. And I want to tell you, I thank God for His blessings, but how many of you know that no matter what we have, we're going to leave it all? But stay with what's important. If you haven't called mom today, I'll, my young son called us today on the way to church. He's in church playing drums for the Lord out in Texas today, but he's got to put a uniform on and head back to the border of Texas. So we talked a little bit, and he got to the place where it's time to say goodbye. <laughs> Quint, he'll, he'll tell you. My, we feel, how many of you know, we're, we're, me and Quint and Chad, we, may, we, we feel a lot of things that we don't say. Anybody here guilty? <laughs> you wouldn't admit it if you were. I think it's time to say it. And Chad said, Mom, I got to go. I'm not going to tell you all I think or feel because I can't even start and I'd be a mush ball and I can't finish it. And he said, just know that I love you. And he barely got that out. <laughs> you know how valuable that is. Mother's Day, a needle, mother's needle. Let's pray. Father, we take everything that we would call love and purity and wholesomeness and care and work and dedication if we wrapped it all together, it could only be called mother. And Father, I thank you that my little mom, far from perfect, imperfect human being, but yet, Lord, she took what she had, sewed it to the fabric of we kids, Today we stand on our shoulders and our dad. What fortunate people. And Father, some didn't have a mom like that. And I pray today, Lord, that as I've spoke, spoken through these words, may they desire to be that for their children. For Lord, we're in a pretty selfish world. 
We're pretty earthly and temporal minded. And Father, I can't believe how quickly the years have passed. But I'm sure remembering something simple that is so weighty in my life. Touch our young people today, Lord. Give them a mind, God, that God has given them a talent and an ability. And rather than using it, Lord, strictly for self-gain, may they find your will. Lord, may we have a revival of an eternity, a life that's well lived in mind. I pray we honor you with it, Lord. If your head's bowed, eyes closed, you're in this room, you say, Pastor, I don't know the Lord. I haven't lived my life in the right direction. I need to make it right. Let me just see your hand. Across this congregation today, I need to make something right between me and the Lord. Those of you that are online, if the Spirit of God's wooing you to come to be what you need, you know you need to be in the Lord, pray this prayer with me. Father, I feel your Spirit drawing me. I come to you with repentance, knowing that I have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I come, God, knowing that you'll wash me and cleanse me with the blood of your Son. And I accept his sacrifice for my sin. Be my Savior and my Lord. I call it done in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. If your mom is in this room and you're not by her, I want you to go to her. Right now, just go to your mom. Wherever you need to get to get to mom. Some mom's going to have several around her. What a joy. What a joy. Get by your mom. And then, guys, if your wife's here, I want you to get close to the wife and maybe the mom. I just want to say, for those of you that think this is... I've had Satan tell me all week, there'll be people who think this is a total waste of time. Pardon me for being sentimental, but I want to tell you, I thank God for moms who will pay the price, don't you? And I, want to, I just want to have a special prayer for these moms, whether they're 93 like my mom or they got newborns. I want to pray for mothers. Father, touch these vessels of honor. We have this treasure, Lord, your spirit in these earthen vessels. God, I thank you for the prices, and I thank you for the dedication, and I thank you for the many things you've done on our behalf through these vessels. Lord, your son honored his mother, and so we honor ours today. I thank you for a holy mom, and I thank you for a holy wife. I thank you for two daughters in love that serve you. I thank you for grandchildren that serve you. What a blessed man. Thank you, God, for letting us know the value, the real value of life as we journey. I pray you be glorified in our living and in our lives. I pray it in Jesus' name. Let everybody say amen. Hug that lady right quick. Mom or wife, hug that lady right quick. The rest of us, let's give moms a hand in this place this morning. <laughs> amen.